When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Hello everyone, and welcome to Podcast Horseman. Back in the 20s, we reviewed a very famous team. Welcome indeed to Podcast Horseman, the Bojack Horseman podcast. A spoiler-free episode-by-episode audio review podcast of the critically acclaimed Netflix series, Bojack Horseman. I'm a socially distanced Michael Hamflip. And I'm a socially distanced Adam Nicholas. And despite the fact that we are on the most homely of home stretches oh. with this podcast... Michael, three. This is the this is the third last like episode of Bojack and the yeah. fifth last episode, potentially fifth or sixth, right. who knows, episode of this yeah. podcast to go. God damn it. Either way, though, we turn up ready and willing and able because and and also you can call us the front of the plane as always, because we are all business to begin with. You can follow this podcast on Twitter or Instagram at Podcast Horseman. You can also follow either of your hosts. You can follow me at It's Adam Nicholas or you can follow Michael Hamflit. At Michael Hamflit. You can get this podcast on Apple Podcasts where we invite you to subscribe or to follow on Spotify where you can <laughs> follow um, on pretty much all the major podcast apps at this point. We think pretty much by the end of season six, the end of Bojack Horseman, Podcast Horseman has snuck its way onto every single podcast provider. We believe it might even be on Audible. If it's not there, it's certainly on Amazon Music. This feels like an opportune time to say happy Thanksgiving to any of our American listeners. But if you are looking for your Black Friday deals after Thanksgiving, why not search Podcast Horseman in that search bar instead? Because that's there for free all day, every day, 365. And if you're sick of your family on Thanksgiving, you can lock yourself in the toilet with Podcast Horseman instead. See, those Amazon lads aren't too bad all of the time, just the other 364 days of the year. And of course, you can get us on Acast at the Ad Podcast Horseman Twitter account. Every Friday, a brand new episode goes up there. That can be streamed, that can be subscribed to. I think you can listen to it through the app. And on Acast and other apps, you can leave us reviews. Any of the ones you can do, we would love it if you did. Five stars, please. Let's not piss about at this point. Nobody wants threes or ones or fours. They're pointless. Fives are all about fooling the algorithm, getting us in the charts, as you have done for this duration of this run. We've been immensely grateful. And to prove how grateful we are, we will be inducting somebody else into our Hollywood talk of fame. Uh, for those who have only just started listening at this episode, what are you doing? Run, get all the way back to the start. But you will have heard of other people that have submitted a five-star review and got themselves a star on our walk of fame. Excuse me, our talk of fame. God, I've still not grasped that, and we're so close to the end. But another one of <laughs> another one of them is coming at the end of the episode. 
Yes, indeed it is. And I was going to just make a joke there about not having a grasp of things and then joke about Tom, insert name here, of the news oh. broadcaster. But I'm not going to yeah. do it because as we were reliably informed, we've still been getting it wrong. <laughs> despite the fact we course corrected it. And I promise you that whale from MSNBC will always, from this day forward, be referred to as simply Tom. <laughs> I'm... I am sick of having my Bo Jim Dogman knowledge corrected. I will not have it. <laughs> but I know things. I know the <laughs> stuff and the things. Yes, it's all It's all starting to come to an end, Michael. Good mm. Lord. Good grief. But nevertheless, we plot on with all the enthusiasm in the world. And I thought I would start a vicious rumour, Michael, today. Because, mm -hmm. you know, I, all right, I'll be honest. I'm bored. Right, I'm bored. What's his platform for if we can't What's his platform for if I can't mindlessly tell some people some things that aren't true and maybe they'll think, oh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I heard a rumour, mm. courtesy of our good friends at, at Google, that uh, that actually, officially, unofficially, officially, the podcast horseman might actually be the best Bojack Horseman podcast out there. Really? Listen, I don't make up these rumours. These are what I've been told specifically by algorithms and computers and science. That's uh, what I've heard. <laughs> and stats and statistics. Just look at... Not, don't shoot the messenger. But, of course, as always, tell your friends uh, at Podcast Horseman. Tell us how happy you are for us that we've become the number one podcast uh, to do with Bojack Horseman. Almost like we should have called the show Podcast Horseman the Bojack Horseman podcast. You found that information off Google, did you? I'm gonna have to. Uh, I'm gonna yes. have to ask Jeeves to find out what that is. Yes, ask Jeeves. This was from a Mister Google. He was a very reliable friend of mine from from university. <laughs> My buddy algorithm. Algorithm. <laughs> he really is never wrong. Yes, spread that rumor as much as you want. Why not? <laughs> We've only, got, we've only got five weeks left to go. Yeah, let's do some violence at the death. Choose violence. Switch the little more to violence and let's do it. Anyway, let's get cracking. We've rambled on enough and I feel like we're both just delaying the inevitable here, but let's get into it. The yeah. penultimate, penultimate episode of <laughs> Bojack Horseman, uh, season six, episode 14, and it's called Angela. Angela Diaz reaches out to Bojack. Princess Carolyn gets an offer from Lenny Turtletaub and Todd cooks up a scheme lots of names in that little synopsis there michael not always regulars we've seen peppered in either although a couple of regulars in there tell me yeah what is happening today in the world of bojack horseman well we don't start with any of those named characters to begin with but with a bunch of suited and booted arsehole blokes getting a big arsehole lift having a big old arsehole laugh about, quote, a sexist, fat-phobic rant that one of them has just gone on. Um, they're all executive types, but a bigger executive type, Angela Diaz, because a woman we've met from the network once before in Bojack Horseman gets in the lift with them, confused about uh, a meeting that she might have missed that appears to have taken place between all these men. Um, it was, quote, a big 90s-style birthday party, it being the night is and all, as yet again, we're trekked to some more brilliant Bojack Horseman exposition. Um, Angela, at this point, is the president of the network, but they've frozen her out of this meeting, especially Teddy, her number two, because mm -hmm. he believed that she couldn't possibly be there. 
Um, they get a fax in the studio as he's obviously trying to explain and justify why she's missed out on yet something else. The answer, of course, is just a misogynistic industry, but he wouldn't see it that way. But in the meantime, Sexism. They're in the they get a, they get a fax come through. They're stood ominously in front of the horsing around poster. This being the night is and all, um, and we don't see the fax coming through. Um, but it does confirm what we ourselves already know about Herb, his sexuality and his impending doom. It cuts to Herb's office where he's talking with Angela about the situation, about the fact that it has come out that he is indeed gay, but hasn't come out. And this could be a you know huge PR nightmare for the network as Angela and everybody else sees it. Um, she's explaining to him that she's firing him, but Herb laughs off the idea that Bojack Horseman, the star of Horsing Around, and his best friend would ever, quote, go along with Canning, his very best friend. If you want Bojack to betray me, you're going to have to have one hell of a pitch. And it's with those doomed words that we hit the opening credits of the show. Um, the story kind of hits present day and virtually, say for a couple of quick flashbacks, stays there. So I guess like this would be a nice opportunity just to enjoy the dramatic irony of that little flashback to the night is because it's the only full one we get. It is the only full one we get in this episode. And oh, like it's a bit, well, first of all, I love that they go back and really just, if we haven't already seen through this, the, the, the prism that is this show, Mm. that men are bad <laughs> and, <laughs> and a great. group of men are even worse <laughs> yeah this like ah oh, horrible and i'm you know let's be honest we have no reason to particularly like angela diaz at this point because the last time we no. saw her she was responsible for getting rid of her uh, and sort of strong-armed bojack into this situation that he was in um and i still wanted to punch all these guys in the face like yeah um but having said that uh yes real not don't even know if it's just sadness, but just that you see Herb alive and well, I guess, technically, and the guy's mm. about to be... We've just seen a woman who's been kind of treated differently in an elevator in a work environment because of, like, her gender, and now we're seeing her putting the squeeze on someone below her, technically, I guess, in the company, because of his sexuality, and it just... Thank the Lord, most of the world has moved forward on all of this, I think. Yeah, it's that's a good observation of the... It shouldn't be the case, but a woman being a marginalised group, like females being a marginalised group in this network, as she is, and having to speak to another marginalised group in the form of a homosexual, it does yeah. sort of speak, obviously, to the time. And probably, regretfully, with us speaking on the outside, probably to situations that go on to this day. There's course, a, a detail that, the detail that I didn't mention there, but now I think about it, the conversation um, that Teddy and Angela are having is about Angela's full understanding of the family sitcom, what with her not having a husband and children of her yeah. own. So that is something that counts against the woman, as well as her position at the top of a network, because there is, of course, male envy and jealousy. It's just not a nice scene. And uh, speaking of not a nice scene, we go to Bojack in his trailer as the episode starts proper in just his garish gear for Jesus Christ, the horny unicorn. Of course, the film that he uh, discussed with Vance Wagner last week that is indeed getting made. He's uh, he's still clutching onto and guzzling from that bottle of water when he gets the phone call from Angela Diaz, of course, the character that we've just been reintroduced to help us get back into present day. Um, quote, we've met once before from Angela Diaz, affords him that brief horror-flashing Lynchian flashback 
of that moment where she visited him on set to uh, fire Herb in the night is. Bojack, of course, angrily does remember. Um, she invites him to her house. She has something to ask him, but more on that in a second. We go to the Vim offices where Princess Carolyn learns that Judah is in a band and the whole office is going to see him play that night. Um, Judah didn't want Princess Carolyn to feel obligated to come. Quote, we're not good. Uh, Princess Carolyn, in the meantime, gets a call from Lenny Turtletop. Uh, it's head of production. Teddy Buttons is about to be revealed to have been exposing himself to women for 20 years. Um, Princess Carolyn glumly already knows this. Uh, she, she, uh, Lenny Turtletop goes on to explain the details of his offences and she doesn't need any of them, mm. you know, implying and, well, virtually explicitly stating everything that she's had to go through with that as well. Um, it's a firefighting exercise. Lenny wants Princess Carolyn to form and launch Girltletop, uh, her, quote, dream movie studio, which is going to be obviously a female-led one to try and push back the... Uh, the press intrusion, the criticism he's anticipating in 24 hours time. Uh, Princess Carolyn is at first in shock, but then, as you would expect, springs into action. She lists a ton of film titles with a uh, woman in them and asks Judah to get all the stats in them as quick as possible to try and be armed with as much information as she can if she is indeed going to take this job and chase this dream. Um, there's quite a, a sweet moment where she remembers um, that he has the gig, but he says, no, quote, this is important. And when a man loves a woman, pregnant pause, is another film title. So it's almost like he's about to give something away, but he doesn't. He goes on to work more on that later too. Uh, because we go next to Chicago, where Diane's at a bookshop to do um, an Ivy Tran book signing. When Guy calls in a furious state, his ex-wife has got a job in Houston, Texas, and is taking Sonny with her. Um, Diane, having calmed him down and having tried to get a read on the situation, which, as it turns out, is not acrimonious other than the Sunny move. It's Guy's ex-wife's dream job, and he couldn't be more happy for her, but this situation is obviously less than ideal. Um, Diane notes that he could get a job as a cameraman in Houston, and as a writer, she can work anywhere. Quote, if Sonny's going to Houston, we're going to Houston. And more on that later, too, because yeah. we go next to Todd and Maud, who are eating with Jorge. Um, round at Jorge and at Todd's mother's house. Um, but apparently she is still too sick to come out and see him, um, even though she's the one that cooked the food. Um, Jorge says that she was suddenly ill with a stomach bug, but then the story changes to say that, uh, sorry, then his story changes to say that she's in fact at Zumba when Todd goes to go up to the stairs to speak to her. Todd has pretty much given up and left at this point. He's half out the door. Um, he looks just up to the top bedroom window where you can see the silhouette of his mother in the bedroom window and the curtains closed. It's all quite a sad scene. Um, but Jorge rushes out and admits finally that it is just the fact that she is too ashamed. Um, she owes Todd her life after the kidney exchange. Uh, and he notes about how that is not the way, the natural order of these things between parent and child. Um, the conversation quickly escalates to Jorge saying, if only she could save Todd's life, it might help. Todd muses on that in a way that you would expect Todd to do. But again, more on that later. We have got some Bs and Cs and Ds, but let's get back to that gross and sad A, because Bojack has gone to Angela's house. Um, he's still swigging out of his water bottle. He's uh, at the point where it's uh, it's making him cough, though. He's starting to splutter as he swigs. Um, anyway, he's about to ring the doorbell, but she sees him on a security door camera and says, quote, aren't you the horse from horsing around? 
and in he goes. Um, they stroll through a, a mansion. It's this glorious, like old-fashioned house. You know, at the very least, the television industry financially seems to have been kind to her. Um, she apologizes him for making him do the Bojack dance at the TV upfronts in 1994. Um, but that's not why he's here. Um, she asks him to reach a box from on high in a little storage cupboard she's got. And in the box is a massive bunch of horsing around Blu-rays. Uh, tons of extras, all sorts of treats for the fans, old audition videos, Angela notes where you'll see like a young Bojack first trying out for the part. Um, and uh, Angela notes, unfortunately, since Bojack's scandal and all the difficulties it's gone with Sarah Lynn, they'll never be able to sell them. Um, by her big ornate fireplace in her grand living room or dining room or whatever it is, um, Angela tells Bojack that they're currently in the process of somehow cutting Bill Cosby from old <laughs> episodes of The Cosby Show. It's just going to be called The Show now, and they want to do the same with Bojack and horsing around. It reduces each episode to eight minutes, which she knows is absolutely perfect for today's um, short attention span youth market. And Angela Diaz wants to buy him out of horsing around forever. He takes a look at the document that she hands him. It's some sort of contract and reacts to it as if there are a lot of zeros on that page. We do not see the figure, but we know of Bojack's current financial plight. And there is a look on his face that suggests that this will go a long way to solving some pretty big problems. Um, Angela says, quote, do it for Sarah Lynn. Doesn't she deserve more than just to be remembered as more than just the girl you killed? Uh, Bojack sighs, thinks about it, but eventually signs the deal. Angela offers Bojack a drink and he says he's fine with his water, but then she says he's not fooling anybody with that. She says she'll make him a real drink and he says, <sighs> one. And of course that is the reveal, which I'm not gonna pretend I saw the first time, but is there on display the whole time that he is the difference in a person's body when they are chugging from a bottle of vodka or whatever's in that bottle versus a bottle of water is in fact evident throughout this episode. And indeed, I think the episode before this one. Um, so how long that bottle's been water instead of booze, we're only left to, to wonder that now. But aye, um, the beer bottle at that party seems to have been, uh, certainly at the very least, if not, if not the tipping point, a realisation of what was happening to Bojack. So I appreciate I've given you all the uh, the minor plots and the minor stories, but because all of the main details will come in them later, what did you make of Bojack and Angela's big meeting, the summit between these two former big hitters of the television world? It was ominous from the very beginning, this, wasn't it? The mm. phone call. The, they do a great job in this episode of every time we find ourselves interacting with Bojack and uh, Angela Diaz, that's like almost the air. From the second he pulls up to the house and gets the phone call, just be told, but from the second he pulls up to the house, there's a real like haunted house type vibe to this, isn't that? Like yeah. he pulls Absolutely. up outside, it's this big mansion that looks a bit dodgy, and then he gets in. And, you know, Angela's quite a force of nature, isn't mm. she? She's very. Bojack is going wherever she deems that he goes. She's like, she has this alluring power. Uh, which she's obviously had that in throughout the, as we are kind of shown at the beginning of the episode, she's had that in and had to use to her, like to help her get where she needs to go in this yeah. male dominated industry. And it's paid off quite frankly. Um, but yeah, the big reveal, I mean, I have to say they still managed to get some comedy in it of the <laughs> turning it into just around instead of horsing around, <laughs> uh, removing Bojack and, and giving, I mean, I think there's a, there's definitely a commentary in there 
uh, from RBW and the gang about how short is eventually how short is these works going to be if networks yeah. get their way? Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, they're trying to make these bits of art and they're still cramming amazing work into what 26 27 minutes of an episode yeah. of television perhaps um but yes down to eight minutes for everybody in their short attention spans felt like a big swing and almost a really too correct one as well in a weird way um when it comes to the tv industry as a whole but having said that oh man the the drink reveal i'll be honest that there is a very specific thing that he does early in the, in the very very first scene if you're paying attention when uh the he's in his trailer he's obviously dressed mm. up in the horn the, the horny unicorn outfit i thought i thought i got that wrong there for a minute and then realized no it is the horny unicorn <laughs> it's the horny unicorn he's <laughs> um, it? got the face paint on and stuff the person who comes in with the script comes in mm. and bojack hurriedly throws his jacket over the bottle of water um mm. and you think well why on earth would you throw your jacket over the bottle of water but he knows what's actually in the, i think he's poured himself a glass actually and he throws the jacket over it yes that's right yeah it's kind of a weird child be like yeah. ah that's not good mm. but yes our worst fears revealed and that bottle of beer whether he drank it or not or whether it just made him think about drinking well it seems to have uh, had the desired effect unfortunately yeah it sent him back down that dark path and obviously as we return to some of the other scenes when we come back he has raced further down that path because he is hammered at angela diaz's house and um, but they're having fun with it i guess he's doing the bojack dance the one that they've referenced and uh, we've heard about doing the bojack before um it's a, a very sort of phenomenon from that particular era of television that we've then since seen uh parodied i guess in something like the office with michael scarn yeah. <laughs> and, and other, but there are millions of examples of this, and this is just one of uh, of several. He's doing the Bojack, and he uh, he ends with a flourish, lobbing his booze into the fire, which go you know sort of enlivens the flames, along with an old cardboard cutout that he's cut in half and then broken down and thrown into the fire with it. Uh, Angela reveals, interestingly, how scared she was that Bojack would leave the show when she threatened to fire Herb all those years ago, and this turns the room instantly. Um, Bojack flies into a rage with her, unaware completely that he had more power in that moment than he ever could have realised at the time. Um, they fight over the contract, which Bojack tries to renege on in the moment in sort of his, his bout of anger. And he, uh, he screams, quote, you took everything from me. She says that she had to. He links every bad decision he ever made to that moment in his life with her. But Angela shouts him down, she won't take this. She says they both just did what they had to do. He slumps in a chair and she sorts him out another drink. It is amazing how alike the flames themselves, the tension rises, and then it falls all over again because these are two people kind of beaten down by television, but we go on. Um, Bojack is obviously still drinking more and more and more as we cut back to the house, and Angela says, quote, the truth is none of it matters, and the truth is all of it matters tremendously. It's a wonder any of us get out of bed at all, and yet we get out of bed absolutely incredible writing one of the all-time lines saved for the very last one of the very last episodes um bojack can't really top that or compete with it nor can the rest of the night so he goes to leave hammered he steals the keys to her fancy car which she's mentioned earlier on in the episode that she can't drive uh, and he also takes an armful of horsing around dvds that of course she will never be able to sell um we next find him again hammered pulling up at his old house completely faced and it's either just his stubbornness or the fact that he's forgotten through being drunk 
that he doesn't live there anymore. He has to barge through the big BJ or B is it BJH or BH gates, those sort of personalized uh, gates he's got. He just uses the car to batter them through and he smashes the glass in in the back door by his pool to get into the house. Um, He's kind of slurring his complaints about why everything is so difficult. Again, completely unaware of the fact that he's not lived in this house for a while. We're getting a great echo effect on his voice at this point as well. They're always really good at animating and creating that uneasy feeling that the the ground below him is shaking whenever anybody is high or drunk. And in this case, Bojack is very, very drunk. Um, He goes to the fridge uh, where he gets some booze out. Um, He finds some random pills in the bathroom cabinet. Of course, they're not his. They're another family's, but he's more than happy to have them. Um, And the house, as least as much as we can tell, is at least empty. We can only assume those family are up in Saskatchewan, miles away from Hollywood. he settles down to watch the Blu-ray of Horsin' Around and he finds the extra that we've heard about of his very first audition. Uh, what first starts as a flickering shot on the screen morphs into us getting a full flashback sequence of the audition itself where Bojack is doing an objectively terrible job. Luckily, Herb, his best friend, his mate, his mucker, his friend till the end, is there on hand to talk him through it. He gets him on some sort of random path about a little bit of an in-joke between them, and naturally Bojack is completely comforted by that, and he completely nails it. Herb says, quote, buckle up, buddy, your life is about to start. The TV suddenly flickers. We get a shot of Bojack in 2021, blitz, depressed, alone, and credits. (laughs) Oh, man. You know, sometimes when we get the end of these episodes, I think about when we are recording this podcast, I wonder how many times I've made that noise after you finished it. <laughs> because this one was horrid. Uh, the way they do it, for anybody who is purely listening at this point, <clears throat> of course, you've got Bojack, fresh-faced and young on screen. Herb is off camera talking to him and saying, you know, your life is just about to begin or whatever he says. Uh, but then as the it's as if Bojack turns off the telly and you get the old like disappearing in the little white lane before it vanishes. Yeah. But it reveals his reflection in the telly of him being old and drunk and very not good looking. And it is mm. just oh, I don't know how they're still getting me all these episodes later and literally <laughs> years later at this point when you when they were making the show. Um but yeah. Just in case you were in a good mood, <laughs> it's all coming crashing down once again. And this horse, we are desperate to see, who almost Michael looks like he was on his way out, is now unfortunately unraveling faster than a very, very cheap suit. And he is not in a good way at all. And Angela Diaz has, has helped to give him a big boot down the rabbit hole. Yeah, it's obviously that visual of Bojack. As you've articulated there is just incredibly bleak. Um, but it's, I guess, no more bleak than the supposed luxury that Angela Diaz lives in. It's yet another episode. And it's often the case where it's between, it's it's from or as a result of the oppression that somebody like a woman, or in Herb's case, a homosexual has had to face in this industry. Um, that nobody really gets to feel like they win other than your big idiot executive men. Like nobody comes away from these situations having that full clean slate of success stories. There's always one thing or another thing or another thing. And Bojack as our sort of avatar for that, that one man, he himself cannot 
even he, with all the advantages that we've seen afforded to him, all these free hits, this episode started after everything that has happened with him back on set. But there is no one thing that is ever going to sort of pull him back round. Bleak, 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 the whole flipping way. The whole flipping way, man, no matter how hard you try. And this has just come to my head uh, while you were talking there. I've realised there's a great irony. Oh God, we'll chuck this little freebie in right now, shall we? There's a, mm. Well, not a great irony, but there's a great complication, I guess, uh, because somewhere in amongst her dialogue, if I'm not mistaken, Angela Diaz mentions about her partner uh, who won't let her ride the car, drive her car, obviously, because yes. she's not well enough. Um, but she describes her partner as a her. And, mm. of course, as a... We that the fake comparing that to the fact we've seen Herb who was fired from his yeah. job in the nineties, back in the nineties. So it just feels kind of interesting that obviously Angela is obviously in a relationship or I don't know how serious the relationship is, she mentions it, yeah. but she has a partner who is a woman in this, which I just thought, God damn it, man, like you think of poor mm-hmm. Herb and how his life has ended up after that one instance and it's purely down to a thing of timing, really, than anything yeah. else. The problem with irony is it's always too ironic, isn't it? That's uh, it's too that's ironic, isn't it? <laughs> Shall we... Um, Someone should like... write a song about that, Michael. That's <laughs> what it should do. Where nothing in the song is ironic, that's what they should do. Listen, we haven't been able to say this enough over the course of this podcast. Let's lighten the mood with Diane. Because this sort of... Yeah. ...feels overdue. Um, on, so what you're saying is, at this point, I need to ask you, got a light? <laughs> oh, God, No. You don't. <laughs> that, is a, that is a very different review for a very different podcast that would that take is, us far I'm, longer than we've got for a I'm podcast. Really sorry. I'm really sorry, everyone. I'm trying to withhold all of my Twin Peaks references because I've been re-watching season three. Uh, re-watching? Watching for the first time season three. Mm. Sorry, Michael, as you were. That's okay. Um, so, Diane is uh, is in <laughs> Chicago doing her, uh, doing her book signing um, and it's gone really well and She's just wrapping up for the night when all of a sudden she sees Mr. Peanut Butter. Uh, well, she sees his head over the top of one of the bookshelves. She's naturally in shock, not expecting to see him in Chicago. Only it's not him, is it? It's a cardboard cutout promoting his book. Shocked, a little bit miffed, and a little bit jealous, she calls Mr. Peanut Butter, and it turns out that he wrote his entire memoir in a weekend. He always imagined, Nicholas, that writing was easy, but he didn't know just how easy it was until he picked up the pen himself. Diane is quietly seething on the other end of this phone, but doing her best to be the very diplomatic ex-wife and say congratulations and blah, blah, blah. And ultimately, this leads them to being able to make nice. This doesn't end in a a spiteful fashion. They're having a very nice conversation. Um, She is able to sort of sneak out that she is moving to Houston with her new boyfriend. And Mr. Peanut Butter, much to her relief, is nothing but kind and enthusiastic about it. He's really happy to hear it. We cut away to the other awful things happening in this episode, and then we later cut back to Diane and Mr. Peanut Butter, who were still on the phone together. Um, they're just kind of catching up very clearly. But uh, Mr. Peanut Butter is talking about Lazy Susans, so obviously he's reached that period of his life without her. And it does kind of make you realise just how much we've seen of their lives develop that they haven't been in with each yeah. other. Um, because Lazy Susans feels like a Bojack relic in our review and our journey. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? It's something that's fresh between Peanut Butter and Diane. Um, they lament politely the failings of their relationship, um, but now how they're both growing. Um, Diane, again, very pointed, as usual. Quote, we're all just doing our best. 
and does not land, especially after the last sort of year and a half in real times. This, of course, let's remember airing at the start of 2020 before the entire world fell on its arse. Um, <laughs> Diane compares life to a puzzle uh, and looking for the missing piece before realising that, in fact, you are the missing piece. Um, this speech is used for a show-closing montage of all the plots coming in. We haven't had that quite nice device for a while, but it just fades in between what's going on with Bojack and what we're soon to talk about with Todd and Princess Carolyn. Um, and Diane, of course, typically is the most profound character. So it's nice that she gets this little narrator's role as the episode sort of starts to come to a close. Um, but the conversation comes back around more directly to Diane and Mr. Peanut Butter one last time for them to reconcile that ultimately it was just about timing. As you kind of pointed out with Herb, the timing between them two also was just never quite right. Um, luckily, unfortunately, and nicely, they're both relatively at peace with themselves, with each other, and with their life. It's sweet. It's final, and it's definitive, but it's sweet. It's really, really nice, this. Like, really, really nice. And they, they give Diane such a beautiful backdrop to uh, to do this to as well in the episode. It's like the cityscape of Chicago, and there's the river nearby and stuff, and she's kind of just looking out at it all. It just feels really nice. Uh, there's like a real warmth between the two of them while they're talking as well, which just feels like they've, they're just they're just in good places, aren't they? Like even Mr. Yeah. Peanut Butter, who yes, he's coming out the back of a <laughs> the the text message of yeah, we are broken up forever. <laughs> <laughs> um, but realistically, he's learning how to do the things he probably should have learned to do, how to be by himself, and how to like better himself that way he's just written a book my god i don't know if you know about that but uh, <laughs> it out in a weekend. he's now a joint they're both joint novelists at this point which is <laughs> terrifying to think that is true uh almost like things just work out for men in hollywood or something <laughs> um but yes this was a real heartwarming uh phone call and uh, the sort of vibe you got from that episode in uh, the first half of season six that uh, episode seven i believe it was the penultimate one of the of season six A, I feel like, um, mm -hmm. where everything's coming up Bojack and it's like yeah. a lot of nice payoffs to certain things. This felt like a really, a nice way to sort of get to a, a, a satisfying endpoint with Diane and, and Mr. Peanut, but I just, better human beings for not being together and, and a dog, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's, I think it was important in this, you know, we, we are, keep saying it and it becomes a joke, but in the show, we it's time to start kind of seeing where these characters are going to and where we're going to leave them. You know, let's assume that they go on living their lives forever as all the best shows kind of make you feel that way anyway. And I think the thing with this conversation specifically versus probably every other one they've ever had, ever, mm. when they were married, when they were separated, when they were divorced, when they were kind of half getting back together, this was the first time that everything felt entirely sincere from Diane's mm. little pang of jealousy that she then erased to Mr. Peanut Butter's just earnest happiness for what was going on in her life and indeed hers for his by the time they reached the end of the chat. Nothing was a Hollywood lie. None of this stunk of the requisite bullshit that you get from almost every phone call on the show because somebody's always looking for something from somebody. This was just real. And I think that was like, you realise how rare these conversations are in Bojack for the for the various reasons that that, that is the case. But especially with these two, they've never, ever been as honest with each other as they were in this chat. Mm, almost like the pressure of not being together is what they needed yeah. to make them work, yeah. almost, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, the, on, the only moment you get that's 
really played for good laughs uh, is right at the end of the call. And I can't remember exactly what Peanut Butter says. He says something along the lines of like, um, like we're both right us or something like that. And she kind of goes, uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> it's just pain stifled. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I, I, I guess we are. <laughs> <laughs> but it's great. It's really good stuff. Because deep down she knows he's just a clueless dog now, which is something that maybe she always struggled with when they were actually together. Yeah. It's uh, it's they couldn't. I was thinking in this one. I don't know. I don't know why it particularly took me to this specific moment in their marriage or their time on the show together. But I guess maybe it's because they're bookends. I couldn't not think of the very first time we meet Mr. Peanut Butter and he's introduced as Diane's boyfriend. Not so much the first time we see him in the episode, but that reveal that they're together. Mm. This this is so much better for everybody where they're at now yeah. versus where they were before, and that's nice because you want to see that line across the show ultimately. Just from a TV like, point of view, it's nice to have that trip with them. Definitely. Like at this point, if Diane said, he's a good boy, yes, he is, yes, he is, you'd actually believe her, I think, which is uh, <laughs> which is nice. It is nice. It is. Um, back to Todd, where things weren't that nice, obviously. His mother was still um, Louis. I don't know if this is the first time we've got a name, but her name is real here to be Helen. There's a conversation mm -hmm. between Jorge and, Jorge and Helen, who we see in full view at the dining table once Todd's left the house, obviously. Um, they're eating their dinner together where um, Helen is explaining you know, her regret and her sadness over the current situation with Todd. When they get a phone call, Nicholas, things are pretty, pretty serious. Somebody has kidnapped Todd and is demanding a ransom, otherwise they're going to murder him. But it's not just anyone. It's f***ing character actress Margot Martindale. Yeah, it is. Fuck. Um, She's reading off some cards at Todd's house. Naturally, that very serious beginning has turned into Todd coming up with a Todd scheme, which I believe they've played on before, about, you know, Todd always having a scheme for situations, but Jorge and Helen having no idea that this would be part of Todd's life and his yeah. way of coping with things. Um, but yes, it's uh, she's doing such a brilliant job that even uh, Jorge and Helen have to compliment her on her range as they're panicking about the potential <laughs> death of their son. Uh, Margot demands 100 frito pies, which is uh, Helen's uh, like specialist delicacy that she can cook. She wants them in one hour, and uh, Todd's mother immediately agrees. Uh, Margot, and this is quite sweet, is doing it as an apology for getting uh, Todd addicted to Decapathon, all those years ago back in season one which is such a glorious kind of like conclusive element of her arc with all of the characters in which we've gotten to know um it's great it's because um it she sort of explains to nobody in particular that it was that it was that that started her down this insane murderous path and she believes that by doing this for todd she can maybe fix it and then todd's deadpan okay in response is just this <laughs> It's funny confusion at how this like actor's life has taken on this Bond storyline in his absence. It's quite brilliant. This it's it's really really funny. And there's another great Margot moment to come as a, another payoff to this plot. But uh, but what a reveal of, uh, of what we assume now to be the, the last the last Bojack days of Margot Martindale. Wonderful this like and I tell you what, not until this watch through. Have I ever really appreciated the, this moment in particular? Because um, I guess it just gets lost. There's a lot going on on this episode. Mm. So if you're not watching it to review, maybe, uh, you might sort of focus on the other stuff. This is such a, like a huge, lovely, like, you know, a coming back round to it after all this time. The fact that she mm. mentions it and, like, goes back to how it happened. But I love that 
it's obviously something she's describing as having changed her whole life and the trajectory she was on. And literally think of all of the, <laughs> the terrible, terrible things Margot Martindale has done since mm-hmm. that first day. And let's not forget, of course, Bojack was the one who set her on that path. I don't think that's yeah. a coincidence either. But I love how she has held this like albatross for her whole life. I mean, Christ, she was on that bloody island where she wasn't speaking to anybody at the convent <laughs> uh, for at least two years, I'm sure she mentions. Um, and then she's like pouring her heart out to us, of course, but like doing this soliloquy almost. And then the reveal of a cutback to Todd and Maud who are just sat on a couch, completely oblivious, just, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great stuff. Um, and of course we get the payoff to that. Um, they have met under the Grease Bridge where we have seen plans take place before in Bojack. Uh, the fix is unfortunately revealed very quickly because Helen starts having a heart attack. Again, Margot's acting is just too good. And it sends, it's not funny, but that's pretty funny that it sends Helen into cardiac arrest because she couldn't possibly believe that this was a staged situation. She's just too strong a performer. Um, in hospital, luckily she's okay, which is why we can laugh at all this. And Helen and Todd finally bond. Um, it's revealed, perhaps, or discussed in more detail, that she booted him out at 18 to help him grow up. Um, but it sort of ended up being negligent instead. It seems like it was something that was done with pure heart, but then wasn't nurtured after the fact. And that's what's caused the the great cavernous hole in their relationship ever since. Um, they share... Uh, ideas together on a stupid Todd scheme which builds and builds and builds and that way it always does when Todd finds somebody kindred whether that was peanut butter whether that was Maud and whether now thankfully that was Helen it's important that he finds that specific bond with people and this really lovely scene pulls out and it's being narrated by Margot herself who is defending herself in court for all the murders that she has committed. She is facing jail time. So she is using this final story with Todd as a way to try and, I guess, form her own redemptive arc with the judge. It's not looking good, Nicholas. I can't lie. Um, But he does love the story. And he loves it even more when independent filmmaker Nicole Holofcener bursts in to cast her in one of her films. The judge loves that even more. And she's free to go. Of course she is. Of course she is. Why wouldn't she be? Is this a first in Bojack Horseman? A unanimous, absolute, clean getaway victory for the women of Hollywood. I think it might be, you know. But along with I, a rampant murderous streak with a, a rap sheet as long as your arm. I do love, I do <laughs> I do love the way the judge so Margot explains quite brilliantly. She says, uh, about the circle becoming complete, she mentions. Like <laughs> this was all part of her grand plan. All the twists and turns had all been part of a beautiful tapestry, a grand ambition to bring this boy and his mother <laughs> together again. And the judge is like, that is a truly lovely story. <laughs> and you think, oh, she's got she's got him here. Yeah. And then he says, But you, you have killed a lot of people. <laughs> It's so it's really well delivered. And then, of course, as you say, the day is saved. Because, Michael, the only thing that could possibly save women in Hollywood is, of course, more Hollywood. 
Okay? Indeed. The machine and the tar of Hollywood coming in because they might be saving the day, they might be winning the day, the women, but ultimately they're going to end up having to fight against the men of Hollywood and the system just with, to get this film where it needs to go. But hey, today, in this very courtroom, the case gets thrown out, Michael, and we get a happy ending for character actress and all round. I don't want to say good egg because I'm not sure that's correct. <laughs> she's an egg. Great, yeah, she's a she's a fascinating egg. I think it's fair. To say. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll settle on fascinating egg. They've got at least one punter in the cinema because the judge can't wait to get a ticket. Um, <laughs> let us let us end this episode and indeed this review on uh, Princess Carolyn. Um, and Judah, I guess, because they're back in the office. Obviously, Judah says he's not going to go to his gig. He's going to work with her instead. He's uh, he's quizzing Princess Carolyn on exactly what her dreams are, and as you know, as relates to Lenny Tiltop's offer, what it is the most she would like to get out of this potential experience. Um, but Princess Carolyn is trying to pie back those questions because the more he gets invested in his work, the less chance that he's got to get to his gig. It's really quite sweet that he wants to be there for her, but she wants to be there for him by actually getting him out the door. Um, Judah says it explicitly that he wants to be where she needs him, but she will not have it. He agrees to go for her rather than to go for him. Um, and she is gutted to miss it, but he again jokes that the band are terrible, so it'll be less awkward tomorrow when they have to make eye contact. Um, we go to the gig where uh, Judah and his sexy goddamn hair, Nicholas, uh, uh, sort of setting up for the band, they're doing the sound check. Hang on. About... I really think we need to put stress the emphasis on this because... <laughs> For well, this whole show, we've seen Judah with his hair up. Yeah. And when he puts that hair down, man. <laughs> God, my God. goodness. Goodness <laughs> me. Judah Man or Dog. <laughs> I, he is, uh, he's the man now, Dog. It has been a while since I felt feelings for a cartoon. <laughs> Nala from, from the Lion King, bygones. But Judah oh. with his hair down. Anyway, best move on. He this is, is not. He is the Lion King. This is not pervert horseman. We're moving on. Uh, <laughs> Judas, sort of a sardonic bandmate, uh, says, "Oh look, everybody, everybody from your work is here." And Judas, all sort of wistfully, says, "Not everybody." <laughs> and she's like, "I wasn't speaking literally, Judas." Really great. Yeah. Uh, it cuts to Princess Carolyn back at the office, unable to finish the sentence that is flashing upon her monitor. The future I want is dot dot dot. And she realises as she knocks the papers to the side and sees the gig flyer that it is to go and watch Judah's band. But when she gets there, it's revealed that he has gone back to work. They just keep missing each other. Did she get off the plane? She did because she got back in the car and she goes back to the office. And shit's great. Judah's back in the office working away and Princess Carolyn walks in and is literally stopped been sensed by, wow, your hair is long. <laughs> so she has experienced, experienced the same stirrings we have. Um, but then confesses she doesn't want to work with Lenny and that is the realisation that she has come to. She believes that the two of them can do this through Vim or at least do this together without the backing of Lenny Turtletop. And I guess maybe she's come to the conclusion that she'd be getting Lenny out of a pickle and a jam, that she doesn't want to do that and doesn't need to anymore. She's earned her stripes enough in Hollywood that she can do it without that. Um, Judah naturally agrees, says, quote, never underestimate what Princess Carolyn can do by herself. But I mean, what a line, what a way to prop her up as he always does. Uh, she says, quote, not all by myself. Of course, alluding to how vital Judah has been. Um, 
he says, what can he do for it? And she says she'd like him to play her a song so at least there's a version of the gig. And I have, I'm not prepared to sing and ruin the entire podcast, but I will read to you the lyrics of Judah's song as Princess Carolyn tip-types away on her keyboard. Judah's lyrics are oh, as... Hang on. Yes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need you to do at least some sort of, not singing it, but just at least do a Judah impression. I, I wouldn't even do that. Just I will try and work the cadence as best I can. Okay. To, you know what it is? You know. We'll come this far. I'll settle for that. Imbibe it with the power that it deserves. And I don't want to pay it disrespect by trying to do a terrible Judah voice because, well, he's just a better man than I'll ever be. So he says, I strive for precision. My aim is to be accurate and clear. I don't say things I don't know to be true. So believe me when I tell you I love you. I don't write good love songs. I'm not adept with metaphors or rhymes. I just want to describe the things I know. And the only thing I know is that I love you. Please believe me when I tell you, I love you, Princess Carolyn. And there it is. There it is. And what's great is that Princess Carolyn doesn't do shocked emoji face, sideways emoji with the tongue out. There is no big sitcom well, there wouldn't be in this show, but that big sitcom noise that we've obviously heard apply <gasps> the horse around. <gasps> the gas, there is anything like that. There is just a nod of love and acceptance Ooh. from Princess Carolyn that effectively reciprocates the message without words. And what we've all probably pined for is maybe, just maybe, happening in front of our very eyes. And that's why it's nice to end this review on that instead of Bojack in this reflection of his own life and career in a blackened telly. Yeah, I'm really pleased you did him first, to be honest. Because <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it's been a great episode now. <laughs> yeah. Everything's everything's coming up, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, this was really lovely, this, wasn't it? It's mm. just, this has really had some, some lovely stuff in it, this episode. And they've done a fantastic job of filling it's almost like they know they're not allowed to give us everything um yeah. like similarly when they were giving us bojack's episode that season to, uh, six episode seven episode where he's getting all everything's coming up him they like followed that with the yes but what about everyone else episode um well we've kind of had the flip reverse of that in this one haven't we where it's yeah everything is literally falling to pieces for bojack worse or not worse perhaps but just the inevitability of it all has started to finally creep up on him and as that happens, and he is not able, or certainly no longer, has a connection to any of these people, mm -hmm. I think we should point out, who are in the other narratives, their lives are drastically impacted, Michael. Like, as if by magic. <laughs> as if by magic, their lives have become really great all of a sudden. <laughs> God damn it, it's cruel, but it's lovely to see. And I mean, yeah. I have a question for you, though. I do have a question mm -hmm. for you. Now, having watched this back, there are many things where I've spotted on the way and thought, yeah, they were, it, there's little clues here and there. When you first watched this, was Princess Carolyn and Judah like a, a shock moment for you? Or did you see it coming? Um, I'd, I was worried on podcasts when somebody says this, that they're just being smug liars. So what? I want to say this. With this, as much truth as I well, can. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'm not, as, as Judah might say, I'm not adept at performative bollocks. <laughs> I did, but I wonder if it was because I was rooting for it. Okay, that's interesting. You know? Because I will even this out to by proving that we are, in fact, not animals. We are human, after <laughs> all, as some might say. And uh, 
I did not. It didn't, okay. it, especially in my first watch. Mm. Um, obviously, the episode itself kind of leans into it. Yes. But it did. It, uh, I'll be honest. I think maybe I had let it just slide slide past me without really paying too much attention to it. Um, I love Judah as a character and have done since he comes into the show. But I never really, I don't think I ever cottoned onto it. And I, I don't think, like, even to the point where, yes, he was disappointed his boss wasn't coming. And you kind of start to figure it out at that point where, mm. you know, you see how much. But I just felt like maybe it was more of a, like, a, a, a will they, won't they tease. It wasn't necessarily, a, it's going to literally happen in this episode. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, but I guess we should have seen it coming. But yeah, I, I mean, I'd, I'd love to hear if people uh, saw it coming. So at Podcast Horseman, let us know if you really got the gist. Mm. Um, I, did, I didn't, at first time, I didn't. But first time, Michael did, because he's a smarty pants. Yes, he is, yes, he is. <laughs> he knows everything, this guy. <laughs> It's I the think relationship it guru, Michael Hebert. It's a bit like when you kind of see that guy fundamentally is a good guy, and I yeah. think at that point you're like, yeah, that that's that's where we that's where Diane should be headed. And I, I, a little bit like that with Princess Karen. It's more a love for a character that you think, well, I yes. would like this. So yeah, some might even call guy the best guy, Michael. I believe the best um, guy. The best guy. But we've had so much nice stuff mm -hmm. this episode. We really have. So we can potentially top it up with some more, uh, if okay. you like. I mean, I can't promise anything. There's probably some heartbreak in here somewhere. But <laughs> it's time for the part of the show where we call, or that we call, Horsing Around, where we go back and with Horsing Around in the episode. No. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. But we go back to the beginning. In fact, do I have to call this part around now? Is that what I have to do? Oh, very good, yeah. It's part of the show we call around, where we go back <laughs> to the beginning of the episode and we find all of the hidden meanings behind things, all of the small details you might have missed and all of the Easter eggs within the episode so 
you see, you thought the conversations about eggs were over, but you were wrong. You <laughs> went back on more eggs. Okay, back to the very beginning. And we go, we start in the elevator. Uh, and I've just quoted the men. I think you got most of it, but I just wanted to quote those awful men in the elevator because mm-hmm. the, the writers still do manage to get a good skit out of this, I guess, in a way where the men are just literally saying the episode opens with, and that's the end of a sexist, fatphobic anecdote in which I was so <laughs> desperate to get out of the rain, I slept with a plus-sized woman. Like, oh, God. Obviously, this is tragic because it's true, but I love the way that they did this because it's like, this is the kind of pigs we're dealing with in this yeah. show, which is about humans and animals, which is quite funny. Mm. Um, but yes, I love that they all kind of get taken a task from us, the viewer, from the outside. I think it's quite nice. Um, despite the fact that in the 90s they are just wander around scot-free. Um, there is also, of course, a lovely gag in there to do with the 90s when they're in the elevator. And um, is it Teddy, I think, you, uh, the guy who mentions? Yeah. He says, we, we took Davy here out for a big 90s-style birthday. It's being the 90s and all. And then <laughs> before Angela replies, I would have come. I love the 90s. And it being them. <laughs> it being them. Which is just really nice, just... Typical Bojack time and reference. Um, but obviously we go from there into the actual, I guess, the office block, first of all, before we go into Herb's office in a moment. Uh, you'll see a few things in here. There's a poster for Sabrina the Teenage Fish, Michael, uh, <laughs> as opposed to Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Interestingly, though, the whole show is set underwater, a bit like uh, Fish Out of Water, the episode, where we go down to that. Um, I can never remember the name of the city. I always forget it. Um, I'll let you think about that. Oh, while I'm um... Oh, give them a minute. Yeah, you have a think, and I'll do it. But basically, the gag here is that Sabrina is a fish, and Salem the cat, who would be in the show, is also next to her. They're both people, and Salem's got one of them little underwater helmets on that we see. Okay. <laughs> uh, Pacific, Pacific, Pacific Ocean City. Ocean City. There you go. I knew we would close. We'll get there, and we're the best team going. <laughs> uh, there's also another poster. For brilliantly, for sister, sister Michael, or so it would seem at first glance before it is revealed that this is actually a poster for sister, 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 <laughs> <laughs> which is a poster of all the sisters. But of course, Michael, they are rabbits in this show, and there's just so many of them. So there's six rabbit sisters, and presumably one in the middle who is the parent rabbit on the poster. There's also a, a calendar in the office, which we find out it's in April in nineteen in the 1990s. Uh, but it's a calendar for Mr. Belvedere, but not the way anybody who knows the TV show, the American sitcom, Mr. Belvedere. This is spelled Belve, and then deer is in the animal deer. And on April's calendar, it looks just like, you know, the uh, deer who works at Vim Management, who's got the antlers and he's got all oh, the yes. notes. Yeah. Now, obviously, not all deers look the same, Michael. That's not what I'm getting at. But I'm saying it looks like him and... He's got like a little tea tray in between his antlers that he's balancing with the thing, which of course is a tie into Mr. Belvedere, the character. So there you go. Um, from the actual TV show. Um, what else have we got? Oh, we can skip from there. We can go across to Herb's office uh, from that. And obviously there's the conversation between uh, Herb and Angela. And when they're talking about how they're trying to sell um, the show to Disney, i.e. Uh, horsing around the largest dreams they had for this show back in the day. <laughs> Herb, Herb goes on, goes goes a little bit off on one, Michael. And it's interesting what he goes off on about. He says, Disney, 
you think Michael Eisner gives a hoot who I go to bed with? <laughs> and Angela says, we don't need to bring Eisner into this. Obviously, Michael Eisner is a compassionate and progressive individual. <laughs> about him, she says very specifically, which mm -hmm. for anybody who knows, of course, is very cleverly linked into this. And I've thought the quickest way I could sum this up was, was I, did, I did my homework, but I thought the quickest way would be through Michael Eisner's actual Twitter bio, Michael. How about that for a little bit of a Go reference? On, in which he refers to himself, of course, as the owner of the Tornant Co., which owns Portsmouth Football Club, Bojack mm -hmm. TV show, Undone TV show, Tuka and Bailey TV show, and Tops Inc., followed by, at the very end, former Disney CEO. So there you <laughs> go. Of course, once was the CEO of Disney, but now owns the company that is literally giving us this show. So Brilliant. You know what it is? He's a progressive individual here, I've heard. From someone. <laughs> um, good old Michael Eisner. Good old Michael Eisner. Um, we go to the opening credits. No changes there. Of course, we are on the home stretch, so nothing new to shout home about. We go to Vim Management from there. And as a quick outside gag, uh, as we see the establishing shot, there's a group of bat people who are workers, presumably for the company, who come flying out of the car park from down below as they're leaving work for the day. Because the bats, Michael, and they've got their suitcases, nice. and they all fly off up into the sky. Um, there's also a great little bit of wordplay. Uh, second one of these I can remember. It feels like that, there's a bit of a pattern going on in Vim management. Judah does a bit here where he says, as we literally enter the office of Princess Carolyn, he says, so the Stephen King musical opened right next door to the Sondheim revival. We have clients in both, and I was worried there'd be tension, but it turns out misery loves company. Now, obviously, we know the phrase misery loves company, <laughs> but if you do a little bit dig deeper digging and you know your shows, and again, if you've got the closed captions on, it'll give you those italics to let you know. Yes. Uh, misery is, of course, the 1987 psychological horror thriller novel by Stephen uh, King. And then, of course, Company is a 1970 musical comedy with music and lyrics by Stephen Sondheim and the book by George Firth. So there you go. Uh, yeah. he's, he's, a, he's a good egg, our Judah. Doing all these puns. For himself, really, let's yeah, be honest. that's it. For himself at this point, just to entertain. He's too quick for everybody else in the room, isn't he? So he's far too sharp for his own good. Um, speaking of which, I love, I just love the fact that Judah is in a band, and his band is, of course, called Spectrum of Enchantment, Michael. What a great name for a band. <laughs> um, and they are playing, as the little flyer tells you, they're playing at the, what, what, what on the show is called the Zebra Lawn is where they're playing, but in real life, Michael, is actually called the Zebulon, and that is a live music venue that is in Los Angeles. So ah, cool. it's legit. And of course, just in general, I love the idea that Judas in a band and one that mm. he claims isn't very good. I kind of like that though. Yeah. Um, it'll be the first thing I've seen him at where he's not good, and I still don't believe him. Um, Lenny Tilletop is on the phone to Princess Carolyn, and he kind of gets into a little discussion, as you mentioned, when all starts to go a bit wrong. There's been some dodgy dealings in Hollywood, and he says to Princess Carolyn on the phone, I could use someone who can handle the heat over here after she describes herself as a frying pan, no less. And he says, someone who can be more professional and less moonvez. And of course, it just might have zipped over our heads, but of course, Les Moonves is a wink and a nod to Les Moonves, who yes. is the American media executive who was once, Michael, the chairman and CEO of CBS Corporation, but as we'll tell you on his Wikipedia, and I love, I always love that the bad stuff's right at the top as well, where it should be on someone's bio who's a bit of a bad egg. Um, mm -hmm. And I have to say, with all the quotations and alleged that I possibly can, 
Uh, as per Wikipedia, in September 2018, uh, Moonves stepped down as the chairman of CBS after multiple women brought forth sexual assault allegations against mm. him. And, no less, Moonves allegedly uh, destroyed evidence of his sexual misconduct. And tell you what, good on Bojack Horseman for bringing that to light in this episode. Just hit the mention of his name along with some miscreants because he knows that someone like us is going to go de- uh, digging deep and <laughs> that man to task. Collectively. Yes. Anyway, uh, we move on from there. <laughs> it would be a shame to get cancelled at this point, wouldn't it, this show? Aye. Um, yeah. we, from there, uh, we, we jump into Princess Carolyn, who was immediately excited about the prospect. And for the first time in what feels like a while, Michael, mm. we get a Princess Carolyn tongue twister. Uh, it does feel yeah. like a little while, because we've had Paige Sinclair doing them for so long at this point. I feel like she's stolen all of Amy Sedaris's lines. Which you mm. probably was relieved about, let's be honest. I almost <laughs> feel like you said for season six, you can fuck off with this tongue twister bollocks. <laughs> anyway, those, those, those exact words. Those that, exact that, words. Yeah. It's Sedaris, that is. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. You're sick of hearing them from the voiceover booth in the house. Um, anyway, she I think princess. Actually, I, I took the kids to see Boss Baby 2 at the weekend. I'm sure you can fuck off with that bollocks, is a line that a character says. <laughs> I think I was saying it from the seat anyway. Oh, good Lord. I'm that is Boss it. Baby 2, Michael, shooting on today, which is a nice change of pace from Amazon and Jeff Bezos. <laughs> I, I just didn't get how the baby was a boss. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I don't think they explained it. I've watched a lot of an animated show in like very specific analytical detail. I didn't need my notepad there, and I still couldn't see how they explained it. Listen... You say that, but I've got two words for you, and then I'm going to dive into this tongue twister. Vincent Adultman. <laughs> Shut your mouth. Shut oh, your God, mouth. Yeah. Anyway, Princess Carolyn's tongue twister. She says, get me box office numbers. We need firm financial figures to frame how fans clock to flicks the flex chicks. Quotations, women films like Pretty, Wonder, and Little. <laughs> All lovely. Before Judah then jumps in with, Diary of a Mad Black, I'll get my laptop, before he goes on to say, I have time, because Princess Carolyn is a bit worried that he's going to miss his gig. This is more important, as you mentioned, When a Man Loves Her, that's another film title, as we were discussing previously, he says. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love Very it. And when you look well at done, it, cool. go on. That's one, got to be one of your last tongue twists, potentially. One of the first ones of the well season, be. maybe one of the last ones of the show, so congratulations to you for getting look through you. the hard look yards. Look at you trying to tempt fear at this point, just hoping there's one more <laughs> to Good Lord. Anyway, we go from there across to Dabuk's store, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> it is literally called Dabuk's. <laughs> Very nice. Um, brilliantly that, because of course, what else are you going to call a bookstore in the middle of Chicago? <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, you'll see the window from the outside of the store. It has a few interesting things on, not least, Michael, uh, reads at the very top that this store is Chicago-style reading materials because, of course, we are in Chicago. There's a family yeah. of fish and a couple of others who are waiting in a queue outside for an autograph signing of the Ivy Tran book, of course, by Diane Nguyen. Uh, there's a like, family of fish who are all reading. It's quite a cute scene, actually, outside. Hmm. But when we get inside, you'll see uh, the, the kind of in like a, the bookstore section where there's, it's all split off into different bits. We get a bunch of um, names of sections here that are quite funny. Uh, we get Zomcoms, 
Zombie comedies, Michael. Who doesn't need them? Uh, we get animal <laughs> animal husbandry, which feels quite pointed for the way that this whole in thing this world, plays yeah. out in this specific world, specifically Diana, Mr. Peanut Butter. Um, there's also sci-fi in this, of course, instead of sci-fi. There's chick lit. <laughs> <laughs> there are hairy tails, Michael, which it's like a, a tail that's dangerous, but also a hairy tail of a dove, Michael. <laughs> Do you get the joke? Um, there's also a lot lava drama, as in the little lava's things drama. Yes. Uh, we get shrew crime <laughs> <laughs> instead of true crime. We get Orca's Book Club, and I think that one went over my head. I'm not gonna lie to you, I don't think I'm clever enough to get that one. Uh, if anybody does get it, what's the joke there? Let me know at Podcast Horseman. Orca's Cry Book Club, like whale, whale is Orca's yeah. whale, right? Okay, yeah, Orca's, Orca's Book Club. Orca's Book Club. You have a think about that one. I'll tell you the rest yeah. of them. Three others. Yeah, we've got social science fiction. We've mm -hmm. got poultry. <laughs> Good. And last but, not least, uh, last but not least, rather, we have Mary Sue's in the corner there, just tucked away inside <laughs> the bookstore. There's also a sign for the book signing, which reads, Diane in. And then there's like an arrow pointed to her chair, and it says in brackets, presumably... Sitting right there. <laughs> oh, very nice. Also, we get Guy on the phone, and there's this great exchange, obviously, between the two. This is essentially, Michael, Guy revealing himself to have his own little quirks, like Mr. Peanut Butter. Mm. He, uh, he calls Diane up and says, Diane, hey, Diane, am I wearing a T-shirt right now that says, treat me like I'm some kind of asshole? And Diane <laughs> says, uh, I'm not with you right now, but uh, I'm guessing no. And he says, then why is my ex-wife treating me like I'm some kind of asshole? <laughs> and I just thought this was like a perfect uh, Diane. Am I, Mr. Peanut Butter? Yeah. on about something or that. I just thought it was quite cute the way they do that. Very, very almost nice. as if like that's a normal way to speak in this world. Yeah, that yeah every, everybody's got that in them. Like, <laughs> yeah, and also it, it shows me that Diane is more than capable of now just putting up with these with men yeah. and their stupid bits because. <laughs> In more ways than one, I mean that sentence Indeed. as well. Um, also, there's um, a brilliant moment where the two of them are on the phone, kind of getting in the spirit because, hey, we could be moving to Houston. And he yeah. so, and um, Guy says, go Astros. And Diane says, go Rodeos. And Guy says, I hope you like barbecue. And then Diane says, I hope I don't need another abortion because they are hard to get there. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. <laughs> Because welcome to Texas, y'all. Uh, <laughs> Sorry to all our listeners from Texas. Indeed. <laughs> Moving I've... swiftly on. Thoughts, feelings on that line for our Texas listeners at Podcast Horseman, I guess. Yes. Thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers. Anyway, we go across to what I've called Todd's Mom's House, which I realise yeah. all our American listeners will be Todd's Mom's House, but hey <laughs> Um I don't really get much in the house, but outside of the house, Michael, you will see Maud's car waiting on the drive. She presumably drove them over, and her license plate is HOP2IT, which of course reads Hop to it, it. which Very is good. quite nice. Uh, we go across to Angela Diaz's house. Uh, a one for our listeners to maybe crack, because I tried it and I got excited thinking that maybe it was a reference to the number of the episode of this show, but it unfortunately was not. Uh, Angela Diaz's house number is 7317. And I always think the numbers mean something, and now mm. there's more on that in just a bit, but not one I could figure out. So if you do have a, a shout for it, please do let us know at Podcast Horseman. Uh, I do know, however, that the license plate of her car reads 
M-Y-M-U-I-R-A, which reads my, and I'm going to get the pronunciation of this wrong probably, but I've got Moira, 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 Moira. I realised that was three different things there. I've just tried to cover all this. I don't want to just call it Moira. I want to call it like Muira. Muira? Let's call it Muira. I think it basically, essentially, long story short, Michael, it is a type of Lamborghini uh, right, is okay. that the Muira. And ironically, of course, would you believe it? It's the exact car that she has on her drive. The Lamborghini. The Lamborghini. That's what she's got on her drive. Um more specifically, though, from me being unable to pronounce words, let me hit you with some good facts about the art that is in her okay. house. Because, of course, as we mentioned, very fancy mansion, lots of art, lots of paintings and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And the art on the wall uh, that you will see first is a cat woman, which I've said is either a panther or a puma, I think it's meant to be, um, posing in a white dress against what I would call a blue backdrop, which looks like other bits of material of blue in the background, uh, which is, in fact, one of three in this house that are a nod to uh, sort of the Bojack Horseman world version of uh, some paintings by the painter, the Polish painter, Tamara de Lempeka. Uh, and, her, and this one in particular is her 1930 painting that is called Madame M. And just, with, just FYI on this painter, Michael, in case you want to know and get a gist of, you know, how big of a deal this is, this painting sold for £4 million in wow. 2009, in real life, not in Bojack Horseman World, Ooh, in real life. my word. And if that is the original hanging in her house, well, there you go. That should tell you yeah. everything you need to know. Also, there are two others, as I mentioned, the Bojack versions of uh, Dylan Picker's paintings. And um, one of them is one is meant to look like uh, Dylan Picker's 1933 painting, The Polish Girl. Uh, only the girl in the one in the Bojack world is a fish instead, of course, because this is Bojack after all. And um, the other one uh, looks like her 1930 painting, The Portrait of Madame Ira Perrault, um, which all together, Michael, an interesting note, which if you, I was doing a bit of digging into the artwork of uh, mm. Tamara, Tamara Dellenpicker, and essentially one of the things that came out of it, a nice, a nice quote which I felt like fit this quite well, uh, it says that a lot of Dellenpicker's paintings are often described as carrying the look of heartless elegance and icy social performance mm. uh, doesn't that sound rather fitting in the company of one angela diaz uh, yeah. it just felt right it felt like it fit. and if you see the art in the house you'll know straight away it kind of just fits the diaz vibe does. you know really yes. does and um, we go back to the bookstore in chicago um and i just thought it was great that there's the mr peanut butter cut out in there selling his book but it does in fact read rad dog my journey from sad dog to birth dad dog. <laughs> <laughs> now, I have to say, I assume that's deliberate, uh, birth dad dog, but I also <laughs> like the idea that it might have been a spelling mistake and is now it should be birthday dog yeah. or, or birthday dad, but they've just like, merged it into birth dad dog, which I just thought was quite quite cute. Um, we go from there across to Peanut Butter's house as he sits on the phone, I believe, talking to Diane, and he's drinking a... Brilliantly, drinking a Cat Bernier wine, which we've seen before in this show. Princess Caroline has a tendency to drink it. Do you get it? Do you get the joke? But he's, of course, a dog, Michael, which sounds like a complete clashing of worlds. Hmm. More so or less so than him eating a dog bone for his dinner, which seems topical, but he's got like the plate and a knife and fork out for it as well, which is even funnier. 
And then at one point when he's on the phone, he picks the dog bone up, just dips it in the wine and starts <laughs> <laughs> like licking the wine off it. It's all good stuff. Uh, we go back. I say we go back. We go to Todd's house, where of course we see uh, Margot Martindale has returned. My words. It's nice to have her back, but I've just written down there that I love the fact that they immediately go back and reference that video game from way back in season know, uh, yeah. season one, the um, de- decathlon, de- de- cap- what is it called? De- de- uh, decapathon. Decapathon, there you go. Yeah. Like seven or something. Decapathon seven, yeah. I'm sure. The one that's basically Tetris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a puzzle game. All correctly. Um, and I love the way that she just pours her heart out entirely to Todd. Or like sort of to the ether, and then they, as we've mentioned, okay. <laughs> <laughs> go back to Angela Diaz's house, and a, we go in that cupboard where Bojack reaches and gets all the Blu-rays from the top shelf. There's a load of stuff in here, and there's one that, in particular, that's going to feel quite fitting. Uh, we get a, a poster for uh, Finn City, Michael, as opposed to Sin City. Ah, yes. Uh, and the person on the the poster, as you can imagine, is a fish. You see, mm-hmm. there's one for. Perfect strangers, Michael. Uh, which is a cardboard yeah. cutout. It's two. It's a cat person and a mouse person on the poster instead of, of course, perfect strangers. The show. And then there's also Michael. What appear to be a couple of lunch boxes on a high up shelf that read Twin Beaks of all things. Oh, would you believe? Would you believe that? Uh, yeah. And instead of like instead of saying Twin Peaks, and the text is in a luminous green, as it would be in the mm-hmm. show, and it also has the sort of background pattern, which looks very similar to the waiting room floor from Twin Peaks for anyone yeah. who is familiar. I know I am. I'm bloody watching it right this second. Oh, I see. Good Lord, three episodes to go on that as well, would you believe? Um, <laughs> but this isn't a goddamn podcast about that, Michael. Stop distracting us. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's also a box in there. Now, this one's interesting. There's a box in there that's labelled Screeners 1993. You can kind of just see the, the the text on it. I think it's a callback, Michael. I think this is a callback to Season 5, Episode 8, uh, which is Mr. Peanut Butter's Booze, of course, where we get all the different narratives, the Halloween mm-hmm. parties and all the different years. And in the year that is 1993, you may recall, Bojack very specifically gives a box to Princess Carolyn of screeners and they are screeners of nypd blue uh this might ring some bells from back then um but that house party in itself was set in 1993 which is of course the year when nypd blue i believe first yes. aired or first piloted Sounds about um, right, yeah. so i have a feeling that the, the, the gag here is that there are tons of screeners by <laughs> nypd blue so much so that angela diaz still has a box of them in her cupboard as well um there's also a little uh, poster, I think, in the corner for one Doggy Bowser, Michael, which is a dog. Doggy <laughs> Doggy Bowser, MD, which obviously to you and I, we all know that is Doogie Hauser, MD. Indeed. Uh, and of course, it's a dog on the poster. You, see, you get it? He's a dog and he's a doctor. Does that make him a doctor? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. He's a, he's a birth dad doc. <laughs> yeah, we're going to move swiftly on, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for playing. <laughs> Uh, there's also some scripts for season three of Crowing Pains, Michael. Good. Good. As opposed to Growing Pains, it's season three of Crowing Pains. Um, also, we get the wonderful shot of the Horsing Around Blu-ray DVD, as uh, you mentioned earlier. We got a few bits on that. You can see that Bojack shows you the front and back. Uh, and on the back, we see it says, The Ultimate High Def Blu-ray. We see the bit that says, 
deleted scenes, hours of footage never before seen in the show. Then we see Bojack Horseman, original screen test. Bojack Horseman's very first screen test for Horse Around. A blooper reel with hours of hilarity and goofs in an original blooper run. And making of documentary, behind the scenes look at the making of the show. And it shows you all of these. It basically says it's Blu-ray, it's DVD, and it's digital. And you see like little images for a, a Blu-ray disc, a DVD for a laptop, and then uh, so like a tablet, I think it shows you. Um, and then I love that there's like a little logo on the bottom that says it's PG, Michael. And it sort of says the things you'll get in the show are emotional scenes and hilarious jokes. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's talking itself up a little bit too much for my taste. Telling rather than showing that, I think, isn't it? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Also, uh, as Bojack signs the contract while he's in uh, Angela Diaz's house at this point, you know, he puts his uh, signature on the bottom. But you will see there's a little bit of text. You get the glimpse. Yeah, it says, this contract is firm, non-flimsy, non-flimflam. If the stuff in this contract isn't uh, fulfilled by you, the one signing it, then woof! Oh boy, big trouble, comma, legally speaking. <laughs> then, there's another little line below that says, I have skimmed this agreement and retained nothing, yet I am beholden to its contents. <laughs> As Bojack signs away his whole life in terms of horsing around. We go back across, I say back across, for the first time in this episode, to the Zebralon, where uh, Judah's band, of course, are playing, or should have been playing. Uh, we see some posters on the wall as Princess Carolyn turns up um, for a gig lineup. Michael, this sounds like a gig you and I would want to go to. The headline mm -hmm. act of the gig are called Good Band. The <laughs> act below right. called Almost as Almost as Good Band. <laughs> <laughs> the act below them are called Obscure but Brilliant Band. They really sound nice. like the ones, the ones you and I were listening to before anybody yeah, even ones. knew Obscure Brilliant <laughs> Band even existed. <laughs> uh, there's also another poster next to that, which I thought was quite cute, for another act called Decent Band. So they didn't make it onto yeah. the festival, but they're just They're decent. always there too, though. They're always there. You wish there were sometimes. That's right. There's definitely another commentary going on here as well, because you will see that for that whole festival lineup, it was $20 on the door. But for one ticket to go and see Decent Band, it was $19, Michael. So I'll mm. let you read into that what you will. Yeah. It's almost like the Cooks coming to play where you live and charging you 50 <laughs> quid to go and see them. 50 quid? <laughs> 50 quid? Oh, yeah. la, lads. It was uh, such a good band to me, but 50 quid. I, honestly, I'd rather come to your house and say, do you want to go to the seaside, Michael? That's what I'd rather say. They've absolutely tipped my pockets inside in, inside out for that. Not happening. 50 uh, who, What do they think we are? So naive or something? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, before we get anyway. down that... <laughs> before we go down that rabbit hole too far, um, what else have we got? Oh, also, one last thing inside of there. I wanted to mention the supremely... <laughs> supremely enthusiastic snake man who's come to see this gig as he is told... The band's lead singer, as we know, Judah, has, has left. He's gone. Uh, so we're just going to have to play the instrumental versions of our songs. <laughs> this snake man literally shouts at the top, top of his lungs. He's like, whoa, instrumentals. <laughs> I love the uh, of this man because we've all seen that guy at the gig or that gal, and it's wonderful when it happens. 
I'm worried I've been that guy at some point in my past. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I feel like I might have been there when you've been that guy, perhaps. Oh, Who knows? I think that was too relatable. <laughs> Quite possible. Uh, we go across to the LA River Basin, Michael, a.k.a. Thunder Road, as you will know it, from Greece, as even gets mentioned <laughs> in this episode. Um, and I just the only real notable here is that Todd has turned up after being, quote-unquote, kidnapped and quote-unquote, held ransom by uh, Margot Martindale in one rented van from a company called Shady Car and Van Rental Company. <laughs> there you guys. There are you guys. I mean, we should have really seen it coming, but there you go. We go back to Angela Diaz's house, and man, oh man, you mentioned it. I'm just going to reiterate it. This is an all-timer of a quote for me from Angela. The truth is, none of it matters. And the truth is, it all matters tremendously. It's a wonder mm-hmm. any of us ever get out of bed at all, and yet we get out of bed. Good Lord. Good Lord above. Incredible. Incredible. I'm pleased I didn't really pick up on that properly while I was in the middle of lockdown. Uh, it only came a couple of months after the world had literally just had the final episodes of Bojack Horseman <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> released, released on them, should I say. Um, also, brilliantly, we get... Uh, we go to Mr. Peanut Butter's house and get from here on out. I should point out it's just all time my quotes. I think like real lovely big feeling quotes. Apart from this one, which is a bit more of a laugh. Uh, Mr. Peanut Butter, of course, on the phone to Diane. A bit of back and forth here, but mostly what Peanut Butter says as we find him. But the lazy Susans turn out to be very problematic, offensive to Susans. There was a protest in front of the restaurant organised by Susan Sarandon. Not that many Susans showed up. You know what they say about Susans? Diane says. They're lazy? And he says, suddenly, <laughs> you're desperately seeking them, Michael. <laughs> you see what he Too did? Good. He flipped Too it around good. just like a lazy Susan and turned it all on its head. <laughs> um, we go. Just, like, just like a lazy Susan. <laughs> you see? You see what he did? Uh, we oh, no, across. I see what you did. You made that better. <laughs> we go across to Chicago once again. Um, and I've just said, yeah, I love, yeah. I've kind of loved that. I've mentioned it already. I love the Diane's on the phone with that beautiful Chicago cityscape in the background, the river, the whole thing. It's just a really nice moment. And then, of course, we get this from Diane, which I'm just going to kind of give to you almost uninterrupted because it just felt really, really nice and really lovely. Trying to summarize Diane here. And she says, when you're Diane, you can live your whole life like it's a puzzle put together from the pieces of different sets. Peanut butter can't help himself. Like a crossover puzzle? And she says, (laughs) exactly. Like your whole life is full of these pieces that don't quite fit. But at some point, you start to think it's you. You're the piece that doesn't quite fit. And you spend so long with that feeling, that feeling becomes your home. And it can be jarring when you discover that you suddenly don't feel that anymore. At first, you don't trust it. But then, gradually, you do. Mm. And I just thought... The whole narrative arc of Diane Nguyen kind of summarised by herself, of course, ironically, Michael, at a time where she'd really struggled to write her own memoir. And here she is giving us possibly the best excerpt from it she possibly could. Um, yeah. I just thought, I thought that was great. And maybe, Michael, there's something to Mr. Peanut Butter being a writer here after all as he gets this out of her as he's discussing <laughs> yeah. it with that. I don't know what it is. He, maybe she needs him to write her memoir. I don't know. Uh, thoughts on a postcard, I guess, at Podcast Horseman. Um, and I've just said there, the whole conversation between these two is just really lovely. It's really nice. It is nice. It is nice. Very, very nice indeed. We go across to the emergency room in Los Angeles after um, 
Todd's mother, Helen, has had a panic attack or like an anxiety attack, almost induced a heart attack. There's a bit of a good gag here outside just before we go into the hospital. Uh, there's two nurses who are frantically, Michael, wheeling a person on a stretcher into the hospital because it's, oh, they're, they're dying or they look like they're dead. Or are they, Michael? Because it's a possum person who's clearly playing possum and, oh, great. and scares the living daylights out of them before laughing like hilariously at their own joke because they've just oh, played. That's wonderful. Possum. I love that. Uh, you I saw I saw that flash of a moment happen in the background. And it didn't cross my mind that that was what that animal was. That's brilliant. Indeed. But during my, re my research for that, I discovered, for what I think might be the first time in my life, does possum have a silent O before it? Or possum? What? Po as they... in what? As in it's spelt with an O at the beginning? Yeah. I was... Or possum? Or possum. Yeah. So I, I tell I've you never what. Ever, I've never Googled something live on a pot. I'm doing it now. Yes, yeah, you is... can do it right now. And I tell you what, anybody who else, anybody who else, anybody listening to this podcast can also tell us about this because this was a discovery. What? And it's it's like two different words, but it's the same yeah. word. And then maybe they're all silent. <laughs> what is going on here? At all, man. Oh, oh, possums, I'm a... Is this, like, one big gag? It's Everyone's, a huge gag, yeah, that we didn't realise. It's like, Google do this is one of them corporate April Fools and we forgot to change it back. <laughs> oh, poss oh, possums are members of the marsupial order. Wow, 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 wow. Uh, endemic wow. to the Americas. <laughs> the largest order of marsupial... That is... There you go. That, that is... Hello, hello. It rocked my world. Uh, I don't know is if that, a Has that O been playing possum all along? <laughs> it's just kicked quite out now. Possibly, like, quite nah. possibly. Quite possibly. Who knows? Um, and that's right. I'm not saying possibly. I'm saying possibly because it's oh, like possum. a possum. Uh, anyway, this has been Obo Jacko Horseman. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. Anybody who has no oh, let us know. Are they? Because I saw some people trying to say that they're two different things, but I think okay. they're the same thing. And maybe possum has just always had an O, plain possum at the start of the word. Anyway, I'll quickly move on while Michael's brain tries to put itself back together like different pieces from different sets of jigsaw puzzles. Am I right, Diane? Um, also, we go inside, though. We finally get into the uh, the emergency room in Los Angeles. And another one for our listeners, because I tried and failed, and I noticed that lots of people had been on the Bojack Horseman Reddit to try and solve this one, to no avail. So if anybody has any answers, I'd love to hear what you might do with this. Helen Chavez's monitor, they're like, like health monitor, I guess you'd call it in the background, whatever the technical term is, has a bunch of numbers on it. Um, and the numbers, I'll quickly read as follows. 0183891, then there's a space, 91380818 space 2917 space 01837. If you look on the, on the internet, loads of people have tried to figure this out and have not figured it out. So if anybody does do it, I tell you what, I don't know what I'll do for you, but there'll be something special for you. If you can figure that out and crack the code before this podcast is done, I will do something for you. I don't know what it is and nothing, mm. but it'll be nice. Um, but there's also, we, as you mentioned, we come out of the room as Todd and his mother are having that nice moment together. And as Margot Martindale is, is narrating everything, there's a little board in the background, like a hospital board, that shows you like a bunch of things that have happened in the hospital, right? Um, and you'll see there's like procedures and the, the PT, I presumably the practicing something, uh, the person who's doing it. Uh, and then there's the surgeon. Um, that's like a list of names. Basically, long story short, I managed to get a few of them. 
Um, okay. The idea is the names are all like creators or people who've helped create on the show. Um, much like the names on the Laugh Shack, uh, as we've seen in the past. Maybe yes. some of these names are also on there. I will just give you the list of the ones that I could find because I tried my best to hunt them out, uh, but a lot of them were just names that didn't pop up in the search. Uh, but the ones I did get was, I'll read the names out and I'll give you the ones I've clocked on the way. So there's the name Maxwell, the name Kewel, which brings up uh, Maureen Kewel, uh, who was a background designer on the show. There's also um, Collins, there's Wells, and then there's MacMahill, and MacMahill is Elizabeth MacMahill, who was part of the mm -hmm. art department. Uh, there's also Sulin, S-O-U-L-E-N, or Sulin, Sulin, and that was Tom Sulin, who was a background artist. Uh, there's also Gilroy, who was uh, Sean Gilroy, who was a production manager for a few episodes on the show. Uh, and there's also uh, Welch, Zucker, and Dubois, and I believe Dubois is Alison Dubois, who is the production designer for the show as well. And uh, there's a bunch of other things. I can see at the bottom there's some obscured by the police officer who's taken Margot away. You can see the end of Hollingsworth there for sure. You can also see Walt at the end, uh, presumably the end of Hannah Walt for Lisa Hannah Walt and Mike Hollingsworth nice. below. Um, and there's a bunch of other ones that have been cut off on the side. So just a few to know it there, but we always like to give credit where we can. Yeah, they're nice. I like them. And that's the whole reason they put the list of names in in the first goddamn place, you see. Um, I also just love the attempted redemption arc of Margot Martindale here. She's obviously in the court trying to convince them. Uh, I've already mentioned what she said, so I won't repeat that, but just lovely stuff again. And she gets away with it, scot-free, essentially, yeah. and gets a role <laughs> in Hollywood because the acting skills of Margot Martindale, Michael, are just too powerful they are just too powerful yeah. for their own damn good uh, also now we go back to that really awful bit where bojack breaks into his old house and we get a quick shot uh, but i've had to write down for the first time michael bojack's former house which felt weird um but there is a moment where he goes to look for stuff in the house and he goes into a pill cupboard uh, that obviously he thinks is his own but actually is not and even in such a horrible moment, there's a couple of little gags in here. Um, you see a bunch of pills, bottles. Uh, you can read one for fluvastatin, uh, uh, which is just like, uh, you can't really see much else. A flu tablet, I assume. There's mm -hmm. also at the bottom one for heartburn. Then there's one you can see in full that is Avanafil, uh, uh, right? It's called Avanafil. And it says, Nuki Shag pills, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Nuki hyphen shag pills and a little bit of text below it reads if your erection lasts longer than nine days you may need to see a doctor <laughs> <laughs> so i will let you put two and two together about what those are there's also another set of pills what's, right? that, what's that doctor's number just for <laughs> well, funny enough there is a number at the bottom i can give you <laughs> looks more like a barcode but i can give you it anyway um but but also there's another pill bottle in the top corner, which Michael, you know, it it looks <laughs> suspiciously like. I don't want to say it looks suspiciously like meth, um, right. but it also looks like what could be a different version of uh, Viagra as well, which is kind of weird. But anyway, the text that you can read on the side says the side effects for this particular drug, which are as follows, Michael. They are. Oh, God, there's some awful ones here. Uh, diarrhea, mm -hmm. headache, eye bleeding, sphincter collapse, <laughs> loss of hearing, and testicle pain, which 
makes me think that maybe we shouldn't have those pills. <laughs> maybe avoid, want to avoid. We go back across to Vim Management uh, and Judah saying something, Michael, that we've all probably thought at least once, if not always, in this show. If there's, a, there's one thing I know about this business, it's never underestimate what Princess Carolyn can do by herself. You're goddamn right. You are goddamn right, Judah. Absolutely. But what a great moment. Judah playing guitar for Princess Carolyn. I will also just give you the song lyrics from me too, because I wrote them down and it feels right to do them again. Um, I strive for precision. My aim is to be accurate and clear. I don't say things I don't know to be true. So believe me when I tell you I love you, he says okay. before saying, I don't write good love songs. I'm not adept with metaphors or rhymes. Which I love, by the way, at this point, the whole thing just seems to fall to pieces a little bit. I yeah. just want to describe the things I know, and the only thing I know is that I love you. Please believe me when I tell you I love you, Princess Carolyn, which is just bloody lovely, isn't it? God, it's great, man. It's very, great. very show ends on a, on a happy note. And funny enough, it doesn't, uh, because the last <laughs> thing I've on yet is Bojack's former house once again, and oh, man, oh, man. The excruciating cut from Buckle Up Buddy, Your Life is About to Start to the TV going uh, off young Bojack's face to reveal old Bojack in the reflection of the TV. Simply put, in my notes, in italics, in bold, fuck. Oh, uh, yes, yeah. fuck that. And also, I guess, not a happy note because of the connotations, but we do end this episode in the closing credits with the song Do the Bojack as opposed to uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, back in the 90s song by Group Love uh, or Groupie Love I can never remember with, um, but yeah what a weird juxtaposition that is is that the, mm-hmm. the Do the Bojack song plays over the top of that real sad looking horse anyway Michael despite sadness and despite everything else I would say all in all three quarters of a really nice episode uh, yes. all in all but we do have time of course as always for one last thing and I swear to God we'll shut up about this podcast forever would you like to go first or second this week Monsieur Hanfalot I'll go first it's alright because I flew by the seat of my pants and having realised that I'd forgotten one when we started Sorry, recording podcast eh <laughs> <laughs> Hope that something would spring to mind as we went through it, because there was a lot of little things, as is often the case, you'll know this, when you're watching it and then you forget to note it down. And one did, fortunately enough, and it was, fittingly, about disorganisation. Judah is constantly, constantly across everything. He is on top of everything. That is why we love him so much. That is why Princess Carolyn has grown to love him. He is very much the perfect specimen of a human in this anthropomorphic human world and yet for the first time ever in the show we see that tonight he is not and that is when he is with his band what i am suggesting here is that the reason we've seen him always be so perfect is because he is in the presence of the person he wants to be perfect for which is princess carolyn he has no problem being slapdash for the band late for the band and ultimately abandoning them altogether that is they know a different judah to the one that we do and indeed the one that pc does and i just think what a great time in the show's life to see that as well just seconds before we get the big reveal of his love to her we get to see that he is in fact fallible and he isn't perfect but with her he is and that's the way we like that and also when he's with the band michael he lets his hair down both literally and metaphorically 
say if I'd have been more organised, I probably would have just scribbled that down and we could have got out could've. with 10 seconds. You, you could have you done that. But you know what it is? I actually like yours better because I think that's so true because it's nice to see Judah as a human being and then find mm. out that actually he's been putting in lots of effort, not just because he loves work, but because he loves Princess Carolyn too. Yeah. Nice little, nice little note, nice little touch. Um, my one last thing this week is something I spotted in Angela Diaz's house. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just thought it was quite nice. Uh, like, foreshadowing I guess from the the background designers of this episode some of which we probably named from that list earlier um but yes as Bojack and um and Angela are sort of first walking through her house together there just before they reach the first painting that I mentioned uh, you'll see in the what do you call like this the hallway I guess it's like because it's quite grandiose the middle of her yeah, house, it's, the staircase it's like, an a- like an atrium or a vestibule yeah. or something because it's so yeah. big it's so big, there's like a literal centerpiece in there, like with the vase and the yeah. table and stuff. But just behind them, you will see uh, two little like sort of plinths that have um, two heads on them, like uh, like head statues, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. One of them is a horse, Michael, on the left-hand side, a horse head, and the other one is a fox's head, you will see. And I just thought... What a nice visual sort of cue as to what mm. we're dealing with here because we got yeah. the horse on the left and the fox, the cunning like a fox that is Angela Diaz who oh, was nice. about to lure him in to signing all his life away when it comes to, uh, po- to I was going to say the podcast horseman there, I bloody hope not, <laughs> um, two horsing around of course um, and I just thought it's good stuff that, it's, it's tiny, it's real small that but it's just a nice along with all of the decor that comes in Angela Diaz's house, they really do help the, help you to get a gist of who and what she is as a person. Like, we are not dealing with a reliable, trustworthy person. We are dealing with a cunning fox who, in the coop, Michael, trying to mess things up. I also, in that moment there, realised that if this was to happen to us, we'd still be okay in the algorithms and the searches because it would just be podcasts. If yeah. we were lifting, if we were lifting Bojack out of That's ours, true. we'd fingers crossed we'd still be found. You'd have to search search your podcast app for podcast. Do you know what's funny? We'd probably end up being like higher up in the rankings just for being a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> it goes back to me googling Google earlier on. Is that what the real one last thing is? Is that we've just discovered that actually Bojack Horseman is weighing our lives down too. That's what it is. <laughs> we'd be better off without him. So this week on our podcast, podcast. <laughs> this, this week we're going to be covering whatever we like because it's podcast. It's a show about Diane and Princess Carolyn and Todd. <laughs> Sounds great, that. Oh, um, but there you go. That's everything from this week's episode, top to bottom. But we do still have time just to plug a few bits and pieces. As always, you can follow this podcast on social media, Twitter or Instagram, at podcast horseman please do give us a follow you are we're never going to run out of time we follow this podcast are you but follow us while we're still here to enjoy the follow Mm. and and interact with each other and of course as always for the last couple of episodes follow friday is in effect so any followers we get new ones or sort of retweets likes interactions with anything we post on socials i will be there following everybody relentlessly who does so annoying you if i've done it before for (laughs) how many episodes this season and fingers crossed Eventually, you will all fall prey to podcast horsemen and our people. <laughs> um, but you can also follow either of your hosts if you haven't quite had enough. If you like the podcast, if you hate the podcast, if you just kind of don't anything the podcast, follow us all. 
You can follow me at Michael. No, you can't. That's not true. Psych. <laughs> you can follow me at It's Adam Nicholas. You can follow Michael Hamflit. At Michael Hamflit. Um, you can get his podcast on Apple Podcasts. You know, subscribe, follow, do whatever you like. We're not here for very long now, but get with us all the same. On Spotify, where you can follow on Overcast, which I recommend is better than all the rest. It's a podcast app that served me well when Apple Podcasts went to um, or indeed on the Acast link, which uh, gets tweeted every Friday um, from our at Podcast Horseman Twitter account. Mustn't forget the, uh, the lads and lasses working hard for their coin and not paying enough for backing tax at Amazon, where you can get it as well. Pretty much wherever you can get podcasts at this point, yeah, Podcast Horseman. And for the last, well, one of the last times at least, we are asking you for those five-star reviews. Let's fool those charts just that little bit longer until we're out of here for good, until we finally left the stable. We'll get some five-star reviews in, and you could be inducted in our Hollywood talk of fame if you get your review in in time, which is exactly what Sabrina underscore Ty. That might be Ty because there's three eyes on there. Maybe that's like Vance Wagner's calculator word that you have to labour on the S's for. I don't know. But Sabrina Ty has uh, given us a five-star review. Thank you for that, Sabrina. The review says it's titled Good Horsey, five stars. And it says, every time one of you guys says, ah, oh, brilliant, or very nice, I just smile a little bigger. Love this podcast, and I'm nervous when I catch up to the latest episodes because I need all of this. Sabrina, you are nowhere near as nervous as us two because our lives have got to continue when this is all finished. But thank you all the same for your five-star review. A star on the Hollywood Talk of Fame will be winging its way to you over our socials soon, one day. It'll be there. It'll be there. Just keep <laughs> believing, and it will be there. I don't know. <laughs> This the, look, is gonna be... the look that felt like a, it felt like both a question and a criticism there. No, it, it was more <laughs> just like when we I say it suddenly occurred to me that when we're finished, the obligation will dissolve somewhat. And I want uh, I want our very supportive listeners to uh, to get. I was going to say get what they paid for. They got it for free. Beggars can't be choosers. But uh, you know, you'll get your star one day. Everyone's going to get their stars. Don't worry. Just it, you do you know that before this podcast finished there will be a mass publishing of all the remaining stars. But it really reached a point where I thought, actually, it'd be nice to do them all together because it feels like one last hurrah for everybody. And it yeah, be I, should, I should point out, this is me saying this is my ivory tower. I can't make them. That's all the work. <laughs> so, the best I could do is take the star, put it into remove.bg and put it on a background of something else. I can't add somebody's name. I'm not yes, basically, basically, the running gag for this entirety of this podcast was Michael comes up with ideas <laughs> that mean I have to do more work is the whole gag and then tells me that he can't do stuff because he's got two kids so I mean it's a, it's a good it's a good end game really <laughs> Adam Nicholas gets a buzzing text message from me at 7 o'clock in the morning hashtag shower thoughts blah 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 blah, blah. follow this I can't do any of this yeah it says oh yeah but this is all you by the way <laughs> cool your showers always end up making my life worse <laughs> I have a shower, you jump out the window. Yeah, that's it. But I would like also to point out a big thank you to Sabrina the Teenage Fish for getting in touch there. <laughs> I can't believe we had a tie-in so quickly, all the way from 1993, to give us a review. Almost like Wonderful. this worked out perfectly that we put that review on this episode. Yeah, hey, I'd like to think... Imagine if we were like, those podcasters. Oh, God, imagine that. Imagine if Michael had actually put proper thought into it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy! It's too late for that. It's too late for that. No, oh, it's far too late for that. One day, Michael, they'll all realise and look back on this podcast and realise it was just two hacks who were just watching the show and just having a good time along the way. 
Honestly, man, some of these, the ones where we've done, where it goes out on a bit. We'll start lifting the curtain back as the podcast ends. Like, you know, these go out on a Friday. Sometimes we are recording these just hours before release date. And you're thinking, Thursday, what a concept. You could do that on a Wednesday, a Tuesday or a Monday, but we are putting it to the wire, you know. And it's just, you just have those days where you're feeling a little bit tired. That has caught up with me today, but it has been a joy to sit and do this with you all the same. Yes, I couldn't agree more. I strongly agree with this. And hey, I look forward to kind of, doing little peelbacks as we get towards the end of all the joys that have come with this podcast. But for now, the only thing I'm going to peel back is the curtain behind the synopsis for next week's episode just before we go. Oh. Oh, that's a... I wish you could see the look of sadness and fear mm. on Michael's <laughs> face. Now, let me tell you this, dear listener. We haven't had an episode 11 in this show no. in since last season because, of course, this is a longer season. However, you would be right to start to wonder when this might turn up in this season. Well, surprise, dong, the bell <laughs> has tolled because it is in fact time for what would normally be considered the episode 11 of Podcast Horseman and indeed Bojack Horseman. It is episode 15, the penultimate episode of Bojack Horseman. Now, I will say this is, as always, like episode 11's, a powerhouse of an episode. But it is a heavy one. And we're talking a heavy tour, like all of these episodes are. If you're a penultimate episode in any season of Bojack Horseman, God damn it, do yourself a favour and always go and watch the one that comes after it. That is the advice we can give you. But for now, all I can give you is the synopsis. Season 6, episode 15, The View from Halfway Down. And you know it's bad because the synopsis is literally just... Bojack reconnects with faces from his past. Oi. <laughs> Oi, boy. And that is the high note we're going to leave it on tonight, folks. <laughs> Today, tonight, tomorrow, whatever day it is, and whatever time it is, you are listening to this. And if you want to find out what happens on the penultimate episode of Bojack Horseman, I would say, and indeed, Podcast Horseman, but we still have more in the tank, I'm sure. Yeah. Either way, you're still going to have to come back next week. To find out whether you want to, whether you don't want to, I'm not sure if you should, but hey, we'll be there right by you to do it all <laughs> together. Anyway, until such a time, I've been Adam Nicholas. I've been Michael Hamflet. And this has been Podcast Horseman. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.